Welcome to the Steady Anchor Podcast. We are a Christian, creedal, and confessional podcast highlighting theology and practice in the local church. We are part of the Doctrinal Discipleship Ministry and members of the Society of Reform Podcasters. I'm Luke, and welcome to the show. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty five through 30 Welcome back to the Steady Anchor Podcast. I am Luke, your host, and this is episode 92 on gentleness, part of our Fruit of the Spirit series, which has been going on for the last few episodes. We've been doing this study as somewhat of a word study format, going through these different fruits of the Spirit, which the Apostle Paul lists in Galatians chapter 5. It's part of a larger argument of his about what characterizes those who are in the Spirit, those who walk according to the Spirit of God, uh, which, as we understand in the context of all of Scripture, we know that there are those who are of the flesh, they are fallen in Adam, they are enemies of God by their natural sinfulness of original sin within them. Um, sins of omission and commission, natural sin and actual sin. Um, and these people are those who are led by the flesh. They produce the, fruit, the fruits of a fallen, sinful nature. But it is those to whom God has been gracious and by his saving mercy has brought again to new life and filled with the Spirit and is gradually and continually conforming them to the image of Christ. It is these people, those true believers, those who have been born again, who are filled with the Spirit, and are therefore producing the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit of God, the third person of the triune God, who is living within those who truly believe, who is conforming us day by day and producing this good fruit within us. So in part of this larger discourse on what it looks like to be producing the fruit of the flesh or to be producing the fruit of the spirit, we are going through and studying these different things that are listed. It's not an exhaustive category, either for sins on one hand or righteousness on the other, uh, but it is helpful and it's been encouraging to me. It's been helpful to me to see these different themes and attributes of godliness traced out throughout the scriptures and to reflect a bit on how they can be applied and lived out well in faithfulness to the Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit. So first, as we begin our show, I wanted to say hello to any new listeners. Uh, we're only posting about once a month right now just because of how busy things are. I'm currently a seminary student at Mid-America Reform Seminary, and the workload is kicking my butt. I just got through a week of midterms, which was a very busy time. I've got spring break coming up in a little bit. Um, but I, I appreciate everyone who's sticking with us through this series. We've been going through this for a while now, and we're nearing the end. Uh, so hello to any new listeners. Feel free to go back and listen to our previous episodes in this series, which may shed some light on this topic. 
Hello also to, I can see from our statistics, whoever's been binging our show from Singapore lately. Hello, welcome. Um, I also wanted to redirect you to some of the people that I work with as a podcaster. Uh, the Steady Anchor podcast is part of the Society of Reform Podcasters, which is a collection of doctrinally mind, uh, minded um podcast within the broadly reformed tradition with different focuses and from slightly different positions. You'll find in there people within this, again, the broadly reformed tradition. You'll find particular Baptists like myself. Some will call us Reformed Baptist. Uh, you'll find the Continental Reformed, the more historic Reformed, capital R Reformed, the Presbyterians of different shapes and sizes. Um, it's a really great community of other believers, uh, godly men and women who are producing content for the edification of the church, who are focused on the centrality of the gospel and the sufficiency of the scriptures, uh, and have a like-minded commitment to the tradition of the Reformation, that theological uh, tradition which we believe to be most faithful to what the scripture teaches. So I would recommend you to go and check out some of those podcasts. I have grown to really appreciate all the things that I hear from that group and my interaction with them. Um, I'm also a big podcast listener. Uh, if you know me personally, you know I've got podcasts in my ears all the time, pretty much. So I'm listening to a lot of different things, people from all different perspectives, um, just trying to find balance and you know hear where I can be rightly critiqued, hear the people that I trust be critiqued and defended and respond to criticisms, hear a variety of perspectives and practices on different things in the Christian life. I feel like it's important and healthy for us to occasionally take a step outside of our theological bubble, so to speak, uh, to be willing to be challenged in many ways. Um, I don't think it's a healthy, especially for younger, less mature, doctrinally, biblically grounded Christians to start exploring things that might be um, uh, dangerous or uh, not as dense or trustworthy. Um, the people that I listen to are all evangelical Orthodox Christians. I'm not listening to heretics in general, except maybe occasionally for the purpose of um, being able to fairly and accurately critique what they're teaching. But I think that it's great to be able to listen to people who will be, again, in this broadly reformed stream, evangelical, Bible-believing, uh, committed to the sufficiency of Scripture, the sovereignty of God, the regulative principle of worship, um, all of these things, law-gospel distinction, stuff like that, that I think has been super helpful for me as I'm growing in my understanding of the faith. Um, as someone who's a seminary student, it also helps to listen to some non-academic things, something that are more practical and pastoral that can uh, apply the things that I'm learning in a meaningful fashion. So some of those shows that have been helpful for that recently have been The Pactum. That's a show by, I think, Pastor Mike Abendroth, maybe, a, I think, a pastor in Nebraska. So apologies if I get that wrong, but I've appreciated his focus on law and gospel distinction preaching true gospel without burdening people and sort of a works righteousness sneaking into the evangelical faith. Um, I've also appreciated Trench Talk, which is a podcast by a group called Practical Shepherding, focusing on the practical ins and outs of pastoral ministry. And I've also been enjoying uh, the Missions podcast by ABWE, which is a uh, reformed-minded Baptist missionary agency. 
So uh, check out those guys if they sound interesting to you. I mean, if you want suggestions and other stuff that you're looking for, feel free to message me. Uh, at Steady Anchor Pod is all of our social media, Facebook and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter for any suggestions on that. I love being a resource for people. So if you really have something that you're wanting to look into in terms of podcasts or books or articles, feel free to send me a message. Like I said, I just got through some midterms at Mid-America Reformed Seminary. That's where I'm currently a student. I'm also a member and pastoral intern at 1-7 Church. It's a, um, again, reform-minded Baptists, uh, conservative, evangelical. Um, a lot of our people are in kind of the brought into the stream through the kind of new Calvinism. Think like John Piper, Matt Chandler. A few of us are more confessional. Um, and as I'm studying for ministry, I do plan to eventually plant a confessional particular Baptist church. So that's a little about me if you're not familiar with what we've been doing here. Now getting into the meat of the show. To recap a little bit, we've talked about the difference between and the distinction of the fruit of the flesh versus the fruit of the spirit, what is produced predominantly by one who seeks after their own selfish, sinful desires, or one who is keeping in step with the spirit, who is motivated and empowered by the living God within them, conforming them to Christ-likeness. We've talked about these lists of the fruit of the Spirit. We've studied love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. The way that we're going through these is a kind of word study format where we look at the word in the original language as it's used here in Galatians chapter 5. Um, and then we'll do a study of how that word or that concept, similar words, synonyms, are used throughout the scriptures of the Old and New Testament. Uh, hopefully to get a broader perspective on how this attribute, this characteristic, this mindset, this fruit of the Spirit is exemplified, both in the character of God and in the incarnate Christ, and in us as we seek to live out this Christian faith in Christ-likeness. So, uh, and again, a final thing, this is meant to be an exercise of grace it is meant to be something that encourages us that as we see how God has been gracious, kind, loving, peaceful, patient, good, and faithful, and gentle to us, as we see these characteristics reflected in who he is towards us, that should lead us in gratitude to reflect these things and to press into the spirit who is conforming us and producing us into these attributes, which are reflections of the very character of God. So, grace, not law. It's meant not to be a burden, but an encouragement. And so I hope that it is an encouragement to you as much as this series has been an encouragement to me. So, gentleness defined. The word that Paul uses here is prautes, or praus is a synonym word for this. It means gentleness or meekness. Occasionally, it's translated with the sense of humility. Um, and again, uh, gentleness is something that has a, a softness to it, a connotation sometimes of weakness, but that's not really the way that the Bible uses this. Um, it's been commonly said that meekness is not weakness. To say that someone is gentle is not to say that they lack the power or ability to exercise strength or fortitude. Rather, is to say that despite their strength, they are using it in controlled manner, that they are self-controlled, that they are kind and soft and 
understandable in the way that they deal with other people. Um, a person who is gentle, a, you think of a person who is, you know, is picking flowers or painting something or whatever the case may be in these tangible examples. Gentleness is not the inability to do damage or to act roughly, but it is the controlled use of power to use it for um, constructive purposes. We see this in the heart of Christ. Uh, we see it in his gentleness towards us, though he is God in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity, the eternal son who possesses all power and authority in himself. He suffered. He was subjected to all sorts of pain and abuse in his life and incarnation. But yet, though he could have destroyed his oppressors and his persecutors, he was gentle. He was meek. He willingly subjected himself to the weaknesses of the flesh in order to accomplish his greater purpose of dying and rising again for us and for our salvation. We see also a parallel here in the Old Testament. Hebrew, there's a word that's rach. Um, uh, it's, it has a connotation of tenderness or softness or delicateness. It used to describe personal features like um, I think it is Leah who's described as having soft eyes or weak eyes. We're not entirely sure what that means. Maybe she had weak vision or maybe she was just kind of um, hurt, like she had the appearance of weak eyes, however you want to understand that. So that's kind of the connotation. Also, the idea that the shepherds of the Old Testament of, of ancient Israel would be gentle with their sheep, uh, a strong hand, but used properly and kindly in dealing with these animals. That's the kind of idea that we're working with here. So then we're going to go through the scriptures now and find some examples of how this is used. Again, with language and with word studies, we have to be aware that there is nuance in how language is used and that the Holy Spirit writing and inspiring through these various authors is uh, is operating over and through all of their different personalities and vocabularies and circumstances and experiences. So we know from the scripture that, uh, that men of old wrote as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, that all scripture is breathed out by God, um, that the scripture is unbreakable and inspired by the Spirit, all of the 66 books of both testaments. Um, but it's it's a hard thing to explain because it is miraculous, this inspiration. So that the Spirit is superintending and directing the scriptures in such a way that they can truly be called the Word of God, and yet in such a way that it doesn't gloss over or kind of reduce the human authors to just machines or stenographers who are just mindly copying down whatever they're told. Rather, the Spirit is using th working through the vocabulary, the understanding, the grammar, the personality of these various authors to accomplish his divine purposes in writing down for us the scriptures. And so these words are used sometimes with different senses and different contexts, with different connotations and nuances. And so we have to be careful not to just blindly read into every circumstance the totality of what a word might mean, but see how the used, word is used in many different senses to give us a more fuller-orbed idea of what this word can mean and how it can be applied in our lives. So beginning with Psalm 18, verses 35, 
I'm going to read these from the English Standard Version, which is my preferred translation. Um, I'm becoming more proficient with Greek and Hebrew. I have a minor in Greek, and I've been taking multiple semesters at a seminary level, which again is kicking my butt. But I think that the ESV is one that finds a, maybe the best balance of literal versus poetic, understandable, that dynamic in terms of translation. So that's my plug for the ESV. I also love uh, NASB and some of the other ones, but this is my primary translation. So that's the one I'm using. Here is Psalm 18, verse 35. You have given me the shield of your salvation, and your hand has supported me, and your gentleness has made me great. Proverbs 15, verses 1 and 4. A soft answer, that's a gentle answer, turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Isaiah 40, verses 10 through 11. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom, and gently lead those who are with young. That's the connotation that I was speaking of, that the Lord leads us gently like a shepherd. A shepherd in the Old Testament context, or the, the ancient Near Eastern context, the Israelite context, would have to be one who was strong and rugged, who had to endure those uh, outdoor conditions in the Middle Eastern sun throughout the day and night. Um, that those, those harsh conditions, and also to be able to defend the flock from bears and lions and wolves, whatever it may be, and against thieves and robbers. But they also had to be gentle enough to deal kindly with these creatures, which, to put it bluntly, are pretty dumb. And so it's a fitting analogy in many ways that we are like the sheep and that our Heavenly Father is like our shepherd, that Christ is a good shepherd, as he speaks of himself in the Gospels that we are often stubborn or don't know what is best for us. We act in self-destructive ways and aren't able to care for ourselves or defend ourselves. And yet the Lord carries us by his chest and he leads us gently. Uh, into the New Testament, we see in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, the famous Beatitudes passages. Uh, Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, that was one of the verses that we read at the beginning. Um, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus, in his incarnation, though he could be stern and, uh, and discipline us as sinners, he was still inviting and kind and gentle that he was humble towards us, that he ate with tax collectors and sinners. He did not treat us as our unrighteousness deserved, but rather showed mercy and kindness towards us. He was gentle with us, who were lost and broken and ruined and stained by sin. Um, there's a, been a recent book, I think I think maybe 2020 is when it first came out, the book Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. I've referenced it on this show before, but it's really a lengthy exposition of this passage in different facets and looking at parallel passages uh, being influenced by some of the Puritan writers and other earlier writers in the church. Uh, I thought it was super helpful. There have been some criticisms of the book that it didn't rightly emphasize sanctification and holiness, um, some that 
said it kind of over-psychologized the passage. I don't think those critiques had hold too much water, but I get, again, balance is important. But overall, I found that it was a great and helpful book, especially with realizing the heart of Christ towards sinners like you and me. In Matthew chapter 21, verses 4 through 5, as Jesus is preparing to enter into Jerusalem in the final week of his life, we often refer to it as the triumphal entry, where Jesus rides in on into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. And he quotes from the Old Testament, verses 4 through 5 of chapter 21, this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to daughter Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. That word humble, I believe, is, is that Greek word for gentle that we're discussing here. That he comes to us not as a triumphant conqueror with, with leading a train of captives in this first coming into Jerusalem in this last week, but he comes in humility. He comes in gentleness to the celebration of his people who would betray him and ultimately uh, put him on a cross, uh, one that he went to willingly for the sake of atoning for our sins. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 19 through 21, here Paul is dealing with those in the church of Corinth who are living in licentiousness. They are living in, in sin and in wickedness. Uh, and he writes to them saying, But I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not and will I not find out the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not con- consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod? or with love in a spirit of gentleness. So I mean, he's giving them an offer, so to speak, here, that he plans to come and visit the church soon and deal with those people who have been slandering and questioning his apostolic authority, who have been introducing division and false doctrine into the church. And so he offers them this, either you turn from this wickedness, either you return to the truth of the gospel and the teachings of scripture, or he will come in power. He will come either with a rod of discipline as the Lord's authoritative representative. An apostle is one who speaks with the authority of the one who sent them, which is why we can say that the New Testament writings, even the words that weren't explicitly from Jesus' mouth, are God's word, because the apostles speak with Christ's authority as his representatives. So he goes to them, and he says, Either I can come with a rod of discipline against these evildoers who talk a big talk, or I can come with the spirit of gentleness. Um, it is, it's an expression of the law to those who are unrepentant, that either there will be a spirit of gentleness to those who are in Christ, to those who have repented and turned from their sins, or there will be a rod of discipline to those who hold fast to iniquity. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 1 through 2 dealing with a similar situation to the same congregation a few years later. I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but but bold when I am away, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. He's addressing again a context where people who are questioning him and his gospel and the other apostles, claiming authority for themselves and introducing these false teachings into the church so they can be themselves puffed up against the apostles and their 
apostolic authority. He says, I entreat you, in light of the meekness and gentleness of Christ, that you would respond to that, that you would remember the gentleness, the humility, the meekness of Christ, and live accordingly, submitting to his message in his way, rather than trying to puff yourselves up as in the way of these false teachers who have crept into the church. Later in the book of Galatians, we've been reading from chapter 5, focusing on the fruits of the Spirit, and I think in verse 22 through 24, but he also writes in just a few verses later, the beginning of chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. 1 Thessalonians 2, 5 through 8, talking about when he came to the Thessalonians first uh, to preach the gospel to them. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy... Oh, sorry, that's Ephesians again. First uh, Thessalonians 2, 5 through 8. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Um, a few passages here from the pastoral epistles that Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus. These largely do with uh, the responsibilities of the elders and deacons, the leaders of the church, uh, especially this passage here, 1 Timothy 3, 1-7. through um, this is basically laying out characteristics for anyone who would aspire to be an elder in the local church, which Timothy has been put in charge of establishing. He writes, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, and with all dignity keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. He writes also in 1 Timothy 6, verse 11, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, referring to the list of sins in the previous verses. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, and gentleness. In 2 Timothy 2, verses 22-26, he writes, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with all those who call on the Lord for a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, 
but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 2, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Those are especially poignant to me as someone who's studying to be a minister in Christ, in Christ Church, to, um, as someone who is preparing for pastoral ministry, that continual reminder to be humble and to be gentle, not to be wielding future authority as a sword and a club against people who would challenge me, but rather to be a gentle under-shepherd of the flock of Christ's sheep. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, uh, in this argument that the author of Hebrews is making that Christ is the great perfect high priest because of his incarnation, he says this, For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. This is part of his argument that since Christ has been made like one of us by taking on a human nature, he is able to sympathize with our weakness. He is able to deal with us gently, with us when we are ignorant and wayward, since he himself knows what it's like to suffer the weakness and frailty of this human nature. James chapter 3 verses 16 through 18 says this, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. First Peter 3, 1-4 Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if you do not obey the word, they may be one without a word of the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectfulness and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit in which God's sight is very precious. 1 Peter 3, 14 through 16, one of the classic and central texts when understanding how we are to defend our faith. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is within you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile you, your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. That is also a good reminder, especially for us in a digital age and at least myself in an American context where it is moving and trending more secular than ever before, at least in my understanding, it is necessary for us to exhibit this gentleness and respect in the way that we defend our faith. So that when people reject the gospel message, it's actually the gospel that they're rejecting, that they don't have an excuse that we were jerks, and that's the reason that they're turning away from this message. Ultimately, they will be held accountable for how they have rejected Christ, the Son of God, and his offer of forgiveness, 
how they have sinned against the perfect law of God, but we should not give them an excuse for turning away by the way that we act as as disrespectful and as harsh and unloving people. So in conclusion, uh, let us remember the gentleness of God towards us, that when we are weak, when we are feeble, he is like a shepherd that carries us in his arms. He is our good shepherd who lays his life down for his sheep, that Christ and his life and death and resurrection is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he is our perfect high priest who is able to sympathize with our weakness. He knows what it's like to suffer. He knows what it's like to be feeble. He has submitted himself willingly to be put to death, to be shamed and slandered and mocked and betrayed when he deserves all honor and worship. And yet he was gentle towards us. Those who had broken his law, who had betrayed him, who are his enemies, he in gentleness died to atone for them, for you and for me, for all who believe, that we may be reconciled to him by his cross, by his resurrection, by his ascension, and by his coming again. Brothers and sisters, we are called in light of this to live in gratitude that the Spirit is to be continually within us, that we are to keep in step, walking in step with the Spirit, to produce these fruits of goodness, these fruits of righteousness, these fruits of Christ-likeness, that we are to be gentle as servants of Christ, as brothers and sisters in the faith, that we are to be understanding towards those around us when they sin, when they fall, when their doctrine is an error, when their life does not adequately reflect what we believe. Because we also have fallen short of the glory of God. We also are in need of gentleness. We need mercy just as much as our brothers and sisters around us. And so we should exhibit the same gentleness to others that our God has shown towards us. That as workers, as teachers, as um, as farmers, as truck drivers, as whatever it may be, whatever we find ourselves in life, whatever vocation that God has called us to, and I think especially for myself as one who is uh, studying to be a minister in Christ's church, all of us are called towards gentleness to reflect that character of Christ, that God may be glorified and that those who do not believe would see the difference in our lives, that as we proclaim with our, our words, as we preach to them the message of the gospel, and may be supplemented by the message that we live with our lives, and hopefully that they would have no excuse, that they would not have a stumbling block by our own brashness, by our unkindness, our uncharitableness, by the way that we speak and act and think and tweet at each other, but that they may have no excuse and by the grace of God, be one to the truth. That is our hope, and that is our prayer. So thank you for listening to this message. I hope to see you again soon. Until then, love God, love his church, and love your neighbor as yourself. God bless. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Steady Anchor Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please leave a rating and review on iTunes or wherever else you listen. You can also follow us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Steady Anchor Pod. Or you can subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. If you're looking for more like-minded content, you can check out the Society of Reform Podcasters at reformpodcasts.com.
If you'd like to support this podcast and the website and wherever else we're doing, you can find us on Patreon and give whatever your heart allows. You can also find our website where we post more content, articles, resources, and reviews. That's doctrinaldiscipleship.com. The opening song is Rock of Ages performed by Nathan Drake. Thanks again. We'll see you around.